Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar is booted off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Democrats saying it's a politically charged act of revenge, while Republicans say it's about national security. Hunter Biden is asking federal agencies to investigate the possible illegal handling of personal data on his laptop. This marks the first time he's acknowledged the laptop was really his. A Twitter account with almost 2 million followers exposes content posted to TikTok. We hear from the founder of that account, who recently revealed her identity. And pro-life activist Mark Houck is found not guilty. We hear more about the arrest, the verdict, and what's next from the man himself. On Capitol Hill today, House Republicans removed Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Democrats call it a political stunt, but Speaker McCarthy says Omar's past comments put America in jeopardy. And TD's Melina Weiskup has more from Capitol Hill. On a strict party line vote, the House has officially prevented Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from serving on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Although she is still allowed to serve on other committees, all Democrats oppose this with all Republicans supporting it, except for one Republican who did vote present. Republicans argue that Omar is unfit to serve on Foreign Affairs because of past anti-Semitic comments that she made, although she has since publicly apologized for those comments. Here's Omar reacting just moments prior to today's vote. I am Muslim. I am an immigrant. Is anyone surprised that I am being targeted? Democrats argue this is political revenge to get back at Democrats after they kicked off members like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar during last Congress from all of their committees. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene expressing the difference from her perspective. The difference with Ilhan Omar is her statements were as a member of Congress. She called our military the ta same as the Taliban, which is absurd. She's only remo being removed off of one committee. They removed me off of all committees. Democrats also argue that this move by House Republicans is not productive. I asked the Democrat minority leader what the difference is now versus back when they kicked those other members off of their committees. Here's what he said. The Democrats' position is that it's not productive for House Republicans to bring this vote up on Omar. Um, if that's the case, uh, what is, in your eyes, why was it more productive in the last Congress to vote figures like Marjorie Taylor Greene off committees? The line should be drawn when there are members of Congress who are actively threatening violence. Why haven't House Republican leaders denounced any of the things that have been said by their members. And later I asked Speaker McCarthy what his reaction is to this argument. Here's what he told me. They're totally wrong. She said the American military was equal to Hamas and the Taliban. She said on 9-11, on 9-11, as a member of Congress, as an individual who's sitting on foreign affairs, something happened that day. What does that say to other people around the world? But it puts America in jeopardy. And McCarthy says he is working right now with the House Democrat leader, Hakeem Jeffries, on creating a code of conduct to hold members responsible for misconduct. This would be a group of Republicans and Democrats working together to create a set of conduct rules that would be applicable to this Congress and future Congresses. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News.
A new poll shows that more Americans disapprove than approve of the way President Biden handled the discovery of classified documents at his home. However, that seems to have little impact on his overall rating. The new poll was conducted by the Associated Press. It found that around 40 percent of Americans approve of how Biden is handling his job as president. That's just 2 percent less than in December before the discovery of the documents was announced. However, people don't seem to be happy with the president's handling of the document situation. Just 23 percent approve of his handling, while 39 percent disapprove, with the rest having no opinion. A lawyer for Hunter Biden, for the first time, acknowledged that the infamous laptop does belong to Hunter. They're now calling for an investigation into various people, most of them allies of former President Trump. A lawyer for President Biden's son, Hunter, is urging state and federal agencies to probe what happened with Hunter's laptop after he dropped it off at a Delaware Mac repair shop in 2019. Hunter and his lawyer argue that close allies of former President Donald Trump tried to weaponize the laptop's contents. The lawyer sent a letter on Wednesday calling for an investigation into former Trump chief strategist Steve Bannon, campaign lawyer and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, as well as Giuliani's own lawyer, Robert Costello, and the owner of the Delaware computer repair shop, John Paul MacIsaac. They sent the letter to the Delaware Attorney General, the DOJ's National Security Division, and the IRS, writing, we write on behalf of our client, Robert Hunter Biden, to request an investigation into the following individuals, for whom there is considerable reason to believe violated various federal laws in accessing, copying, manipulating, and or disseminating Mr. Biden's personal computer data. The letter goes on to claim that store owner Mac Isaac unlawfully accessed Hunter Biden's personal data and distributed its contents to the political enemies of Mr. Biden's father without Mr. Biden's consent. The lawyer argues that in the end, multiple parties, including the New York Post, ended up with a copy of Hunter's personal data, to which he did not consent. Store owner Mac Isaac responded to the letter noting to the New York Post that the letter was delivered as Republicans are starting probes into Hunter Biden. I think with Congress starting investigations next week, it's a scare tactic. The flack is heaviest when you are over the target. Costello was asked to respond on Giuliani's behalf. He said the letter reeks of desperation because they know Judgment Day is coming for the Bidens. The letter does not necessarily mean that federal prosecutors or law enforcement agencies will open an investigation into the claims or take any other actions. A Democratic senator is calling on Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores. We hear from the founder of a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok, which shares some of the content that people post on that platform. On Thursday, Senator Michael Bennett, a Democrat from Colorado, wrote a letter to the heads of Apple and Google. He urges them to remove TikTok from their stores. In addition to national security concerns, he draws attention to the impact the platform has on children. Chaya Rychik, a former real estate agent from Brooklyn, founded the Twitter account Libs of TikTok. She takes some of the most shocking videos she can find on TikTok and posts them on Twitter for people to see. In an interview with NTD's sister media, The Epic Times, she says her ultimate goal is to protect kids. So there's a lot of indoctrination and grooming going on in classrooms. Um, TikTok in general, I think, is a cesspool for activists to target children. She says TikTok is a hub to target kids with radical gender ideology, such as the transgender movement. 
there's been reporting how they target autistic children or they target kids from broken homes because they entice them and they say, look, join our community. You'll feel loved, you'll feel accepted, you'll get attention. So I think they do prey on confused children. Rychik says her reporting has real life consequences after she exposed people who conveyed such ideas to children. There have been probably about a dozen teachers who lost their jobs after posting videos of themselves on TikTok, bragging about what they were doing to their students. Um, and then I took those videos, posted it to Twitter, and then they lost their jobs. With her account having almost 2 million followers, it might come as no surprise that Rychik is often threatened. She says she receives death threats on a daily basis. Rychik responds to those critics by calling out what she thinks is actually harmful. Sterilizing and mutilating children, exposing children to inappropriate adult entertainment, giving kids pornography in school, confusing children about their identity, those are the things that I feature in the videos that are actually harmful and dangerous. In his letter, Senator Bennett cites data that 61% of Americans aged 12 to 34 are on the app, and American users spend an average of 80 minutes per day on it. Former President Trump is promising swift changes to gender transition laws if he makes it back into the Oval Office come 2024. He posted to Truth Social this week saying that pushing gender ideologies on youth is child abuse. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? Trump said he would stop federal programs from promoting gender transitions, ask Congress to stop federal funding of those procedures, outlaw the practice in all states, and exclude any hospital or health care provider that participates in it from Medicare and Medicaid. He also promised to make it easier to sue doctors for these procedures and said the Justice Department would investigate big pharma and the big hospital networks for potentially covering up long-term side effects to increase their profits. He said teachers and school officials would face severe consequences for telling children they might be the other sex. Men would not be able to participate in women's sports. And he said he'd promote positive education about the nuclear family, the role of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different. And a jury this week found pro-life activist Mark Houck not guilty on all charges pressed against him over an altercation outside a Planned Parenthood clinic. Earlier today, I spoke with Mark to learn more about the case. Mark Houck, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Steph, for having me. Now, you've just been acquitted of all charges in the case against you. How are you feeling? Uh, well, the, the, the sentiment, and still today, was relief. Uh, I came out of the federal building and I, I said I, to the reporters, I felt like George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, you know, so there, it was the best way to summarize the joy in my heart. And, uh, but yeah, we're, we got renewed energy, re-energized, uh, ready to, to go back into mission. For our viewers who are just tuning in, you had some run-ins with a Planned Parenthood escort that somehow led to your arrest and the chance of spending 11 years behind bars. Could you tell us in a nutshell what happened? 
Sure. So, you know, I'm a pro-life activist, a sidewalk counselor, and I've been going down to the streets of Philadelphia where a Planned Parenthood is located and uh, been there for 20 years, peacefully offering literature and anything that women need and men need that might be seeking uh, to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, and so we were there that day, October 13, 2021, and there was an incident with one of the volunteer escorts. It was mostly a father's rights incident where he was uh, uh, harassing my 12-year-old boy, and uh, he, he wouldn't stop. Eventually, it it became an issue where I had to uh, tell him to stop, and uh, eventually I had to push him away from my son. And that's where everything kind of culminated in this uh, in this arrest and ultimate uh, court proceeding. And the FBI actually raided your home a year after the initial events and after local authorities had declined to press charges. Tell yeah, me that's, about that. That's correct. Yeah, there was there was a private criminal complaint that was filed because the DA in Philadelphia and the the city uh, PD uh, Philadelphia PD didn't want to pursue anything. Uh, it was dismissed at the municipal level on April 22nd, and on April 27th, I was served a target letter saying that I was a, a target of a federal grand jury investigation, and eventually uh, was indicted on the day of September 23rd, the morning, uh, a raid on my home at dark o'clock, 6.45 in the morning. Um, to over 20 federal agents and, and PA state troopers came to my home with uh, M16 guns, uh, battering ram, uh, ballistic shields and helmets, uh, ready to break down my door if I didn't open. Uh, and I was arrested that day and began uh, the, the four-month journey to the, to the court uh, hearing last week. And critics are saying that it's an example of the justice system being weaponized against its own people. How did it feel to you? Well, well, I'll tell you, I I personally feel like it was a it was it was something that my heart was ready for, uh, but not my wife and my seven children. They're, they're the true victims in all this. Uh, you know, when you go down, you confront evil like we do on a weekly basis. You you know that evil is going to push back. And I'm not saying the people are evil. I'm just saying the situation and and what's going on in our country and the world. Uh, you knew you were going to get some some backlash, but my wife and my children, uh, they were innocent victims in all this, and they were, there was a pure act of terror performed on them, and they're still suffering to this day. So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're working through all that, and uh, for me personally, it was a blessing to have the world come together and support me in so much prayer and uh, and just uh, goodwill. Uh, it was such a gift in that way. So I, I've really taken the a walk of faith with all this and trust in God as, as we journey to, to trial and eventual victory. And what kind of message do you think your acquittal sends to the Justice Department here? Well, that's a good question. I would say uh, uh, that Pro-Life America um, is uh, protected under the FACE Act, uh, that the way they're applying the FACE Act is, is incorrect and that they need to see that we have rights just under that act as everyone else does. And so our First Amendment rights um, uh, were violated, and that was made clear in court. And uh, the judge, Judge Gerald Papert, told the, uh, the uh, attorney that from the Civil Affairs in Washington, D.C., said, go back and fix this, fix this uh, statute because it's being spread way too thin. And so I think pro-life America should be emboldened. I think pro-lifers and sidewalk counselors should have no fear going out there and knowing that the law will protect them. And then now we have case law staff where they, they, can, they can know that uh, there's trial and, and persecution that was uh, proven to be um, unmerited, unjustified. 
And the House's new subcommittee to investigate the potential weaponization of the government will hold hearings on the FBI. And you've said that you would testify. What's at stake here in your eyes? Sure. Well, we, we would be uh, honored to testify and go down and, and, and share uh, with the subcommittee uh, on both sides of the aisle exactly how the overreach of the Department of Justice was uh, conducted so that they have full knowledge. And I think we have a duty to do that. I think I have a duty to do that. I owe it to my fellow citizens in America to do that. And and certainly, uh, we're open and willing and able to do that whenever they call us. We have a, a call scheduled with the Judiciary Subcommittee, and that's the first step. So God willing, uh, by the spring, we'll be uh, testifying before the subcommittee. All right. Thank you so much, Mark Houck, pro-life activist. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate your time. God bless. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up, Ukraine's president asks the EU to levy more sanctions on Ukraine as Russia targets civilian housing. NTD's Arlene Richards will bring us the updates on those stories and other war developments. And in college football, a coveted high school recruit switches his college commitment multiple times as million-dollar name-image-likeness deals change the recruiting landscape. That and more after this short break. In a meeting with European leaders, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky today urged the EU to implement its 10th sanctions package against Russia. Meanwhile, a Russian missile destroyed an apartment building in eastern Ukraine. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. European leaders visited Kyiv on Thursday to discuss a possible 10th round of sanctions against Russia. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said an EU sanctions campaign against Russia had slightly slowed down and needed to be stepped up. We have discussed new sanctions against Russia, the 10th EU package of sanctions in particular. The common task for the European Union is to reduce Russia's ability to bypass sanctions. The sooner this is achieved, the closer we will get to defeating Russia's aggression. The West has imposed sweeping punitive measures since Russia's nearly year-old invasion of Ukraine. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said freedom is at stake. Europe has been by Ukraine's side since day one because we know that the future of our continent is being written here. We know that you are fighting for more than yourselves. What is at stake is freedom. The EU issued its ninth round of sanctions in December. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin marked the 80th anniversary of the World War II Soviet victory over Nazi German forces and warned the U.S. and its allies they can't defeat Russia, saying he won't use tanks at the border, but will rely on modern means to fight back. Before the Allies' tanks arrive, Russian forces destroyed an apartment building in an eastern Ukraine city. On Thursday, an overnight missile strike destroyed one apartment building and damaged nine others. At least three people are dead and 18 wounded. The regional governor said two more strikes targeted the city center, wounding at least five people. 
Despite the recent attacks on civilians, Russia's foreign minister said everybody wants the conflict in Ukraine to end. But he blamed the U.S.-led support for Kyiv as key to how Russia plays the game. We are acting in the same way that our Western colleagues promised, that there should be victory on the battlefield. This is their wording. They were the ones who turned down the negotiations. He also said the West was lying about Russia's refusal to negotiate over Ukraine. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. College football's National Signing Day was dominated by Alabama yet again as a tide rolled in the top-ranked class, according to ESPN, the eighth time in Nick Saban's 16 seasons. This despite significant changes in the recruiting process that puts wealthy alumni and booster clubs in competition with each other to offer the best name image likeness deals, or NIL, to the top-ranked recruits. That was never more apparent than in the case of coveted California high school quarterback Jaden Rashada. Rashada, who ESPN rated as the second best quarterback in the country, had previously committed to Miami, but reportedly flipped his commitment to Florida in mid-November. According to a report by the Associated Press, Rashada had agreed to a multi-million dollar NIL agreement with the Gator Collective, which is an independent fundraising group loosely tied to Florida that gives NIL deals to their student-athletes. Rashada's signed commitment on December 21st was a huge get for the blue-chip program that lost five quarterbacks in the offseason, but the agreement soon fell apart. According to an AP source, apparently not everyone in the Gator Collective was aware that Rashada's signed deal had increased from $5 million to $13 million paid over a four-year period. With no deal in place, Rashada then asked out of his letter of intent to Florida in mid-January and has since signed with Arizona State, though there's no word on what kind of NIL deal he's received there. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, no games in the NHL as it's All-Star Weekend, but the NBA has seven games on tap, and that includes the Lakers and superstar LeBron James. James just moved into fourth place all-time in assists and is set for an even bigger milestone coming up as he's now just 88 points behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career scoring record. They play at the Indiana Pacers. And that's all for your sports news today. Steph, all yours. Thanks, Dave. And finally, a miraculous production that will lift your spirits and souls. That's how one theater goer in Rhode Island described Shen Yun Performing Arts. Many of the audience members enjoyed the classical Chinese dance performance together with their family and friends. One attendee told our reporter he bought more than a dozen tickets for his staff. Let's take a look. People nowadays go to the doctors, the psychiatrists for pills, for antidepressants. This, this is the antidepressant. Shireen Touring Company arrived in Providence, Rhode Island last weekend. It was 12 of us coming. Fantastic, fantastic. And what each act gets better and better. You know, the costumes, the dance, everything was fantastic. It's brilliant. It is almost, I want to like, cry. That's how good it is. A one-of-a-kind, miraculous production that will lift your spirits and souls. Phil Paleologus is a morning radio host. He saw the performance with his wife. The performers, their tremendous discipline, the music, 
the lights and uh, all of the creation behind it, all for the message that you have. The beauty of China is amazing. And yet we don't see that today with what things are, how things are there. It is just the opposite. And I'm glad that this is an ambassador for truth and for beauty and what China is truly all about, the 5,000 years. Shenying also aims to revive the traditional bel canto opera technique. When she was singing, I felt all the burdens lift. Well, she's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. And of course, it was in line with all of your other messages today. It was a very uplifting humanity to the divine. And she's excellent. Claire Stadtmuller is an opera singer. As a performer herself, she said Shenyun is what performing arts should be, uplifting. Very much is depicted here that man should aspire to divinity and the qualities of courage and goodness. This is uplifting and culture should be because a culture, the, the theater, the uh, arts help to improve a society. Today we need simple truths to inspire us. A lot of people are thirsting for this. And this is what this production brings out. And when you have that, it has to be pursued. It has to be talked about. And I'll talk about it on the radio when I go back. Shenyun Performing Arts will perform on a global tour through May of this year. NTD News, Providence, Rhode Island. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.